Hey everyone, thanks for joining me today. So this morning I woke up and I had a message and it said, Happy International Blasphemy Day. And I had no intention of doing a video today, but I looked into this. I was like, is this even a real thing? And it is. It's a real day, September 30th. By the time you watch this, it may not be September 30th. Um, but I found it super interesting as I looked into this. And I realized the word blasphemy will immediately turn a bunch of people off because they take that word very seriously. It's taken very seriously in multiple different philosophies and, and religions. You know, for example, there are numerous countries in the world right now that have blasphemy laws. And if you commit blasphemy, you can even be executed. Um, I could give a list of these countries, but I don't really want to single them out. I think um, a lot of Islamic countries still have these, but you know, even Christian countries like Greece. Fascinating, I found out as I was looking into this, they had a blasphemy law that they just got rid of a few years ago in 2019. So it said, one who publicly and maliciously and by any means blasphemes God shall be punished by imprisonment for not more than two years. So there's lots of countries that have much more severe consequences. A number of countries in the Middle East, you know, even have the death penalty for, you know, speaking against the Quran, things like that. So you could call this International Blasphemy Day or another maybe better name, less sort of less connotations would be something like, you know, Happy Religious Freedom Day or Happy Independent Thought Day. Basically, do we have the right to think what we want, challenge ideas that we think are incorrect and you know are we punished for that or are we allowed to live in peace or maybe we're even celebrated for that in a way a lot of what science is supposed to be the scientific method is supposed to be challenging old ideas and trying to find new explanations or better explanations for things so this is something that I've always really supported and it's probably one of the reasons why I have traditionally gotten into trouble with a lot of religious people and religions. It's because religions, they're fighting quite often to stay the same. They have their tradition, they have their way of doing things, and a lot of times they just really want it to stay like that. And so new, new ideas are coming out and culture is changing and it, it often makes the church very uncomfortable. I could give a few examples from today, but I'm sure they're obvious, right? Here, culture is moving in a, it, an obvious direction and the church is standing behind trying to pull it back, trying to rein things in. And I think one of the most fascinating things is as you look back in history, we need to be thankful for these people that were accused of blasphemy. You know, I started thinking about it. Take Galileo, for example. Galileo was one of the first people to suggest that the sun was the center of the solar system and all the planets went around the sun and the earth was not in fact the center of the universe. At the time, the church was very upset about this. They thought it went against the clear teachings of the Bible. And he actually got life in prison for his ideas, for his ideas about astronomy. These are just observations he's making with his telescope. You know, as technology goes forth, we get new tools and we can discover new things. And so sometimes what happens is, as these discoveries happen, um, you know, theologies and doctrines have been formed around some of these ideas, and it's very hard for the religious institutions to accept these things. So Galileo is a perfect example. 
here is this very smart person, a person who's pushing culture forward, pushing knowledge forward, and the church puts him in jail to basically you know, stop him from doing that more. So what I'm really trying to say is, even if you are religious, you should be thankful to the people in the past who have committed blasphemy. Because if it wasn't for these people who went against the institutions, we would really have not got anywhere. We would still be burning witches at the stake, for example, you know, with these claims that are downright ridiculous. And so I thought today I would go through some of the victims of blasphemy and blasphemy laws in the past. I think we need to honor these people and uh, you know, almost thank them for their sacrifice because these are the people that moved the world forward. Even if you are a Christian, it's almost like there should be some element of thanks for moving the Christian religion forward out of these kind of dark ages. So people talk a lot about the separation of church and state and what happens when religions get absolute power of the government, of the people. And if you look in history, it's, it's really not a good track record for when that happens. So, you know, I'm a big proponent of separation of church and state. Even many Christians I know are against the idea of Christianity ruling the government, and they actually have their evidence from the Bible why they think that. So I wanna go through some examples here from the past, and at the very least, I want it to be a bit of a reminder for people that this is what can happen, and these kind of things are still happening today, and it also should be almost a warning of our own ideas that we hold a little too close. Maybe our beliefs that even though maybe new evidence is coming forward, you know, we still wanna hold on to those beliefs and sort of ignore the evidence, and then in the process, persecute certain types of people because of that. I think that really should be a warning for us. I wanna be the kind of person who looks at the evidence, looks at the new discoveries, and then updates my beliefs as time goes on. So first of all, I'm gonna list three or four scientists here that basically were accused of heresy or blasphemy and either were sentenced to death or life and imprisonment. So the first one here, um, hopefully I get these names and I pronounce them right, I probably won't, um, but Giordano Bruno. So this guy was an Italian philosopher and astronomer and he proposed actually that the stars were distant suns surrounded by their own planets, and that he raised the possibility that these planets might foster life of their own. That was called at the time cosmic pluralism. Um, he also insisted that the universe is infinite and could have no real center to it. So it's funny, this guy was totally right on the money. He was right. Um, however, in 1600, he was actually burned alive at the stake for those ideas by the church. So here's another one. Michael Servetus. He was a Spanish physician and also a theologian, actually. He developed some ideas that were kind of against the idea of the Trinity, which if you're a Christian, you will know what that is, this idea of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In 1553, he was burned at the stake for his crime was anti-Trinitarian views. So next we have Galileo, and I already talked about him, but you know he discovered lots of things about the moon and Jupiter, Venus, all the planets and how they orbit around the sun. In a lot of ways, Galileo's work was sort of the foundation for today's astronomy. 
1632, he was tried and he spent the rest of his life under house arrest and his charge was supporting heliocentrism, which was the theory that the sun assumed to lie at the center of the solar system. So the next person I want to highlight is an Italian philosopher named Lucilio Vanini, and I might be getting that name wrong. So in 1619, he was charged with atheism and burned alive at the stake. So he was sort of a, a naturalist or a humanist or one of the first. He sort of looked at the universe and he said that the universe is governed by natural laws, which of course today we would call physics and chemistry and all these types of things. You know, we have realized that the universe is running under a set of laws called the laws of physics. And there's lots of things obviously that we haven't discovered and there's lots of more things to discover. So he was also an early proponent of biological evolution. And so they were studying that in that time and you know, realizing how species change over time. So obviously a lot of those ideas are against the biblical principles, especially at the time. And yeah, he was burned 1619. So I wanna mention a few other historical figures that I'm sure you've heard of. Uh, the first one is Joan of Arc. And she was burned alive in 1431 for witch-like behavior. So I just, it's such a sad story, but she's such a, an amazing figure for today for women, right? Because back then women had a lot less rights. And here was this woman, I think she actually pretended to be a man. She dressed like a man. Um, she actually was leading men into battle. And she also claimed to have divine visions that kind of gave her information. So I think this is really interesting because in today's Christianity, this is very prevalent. I would say a lot of Christians, they pray, they, they, they claim to be receiving divine knowledge or visions or dreams. It's very common that I hear about these types of things. So she was actually accused of witch-like behavior for this. Uh, the church at the time actually claimed that her visions were coming from demons, not God. And also, they were really upset that she dressed in men's clothes, AKA cross-dressing. So I find this cross-dressing thing quite interesting because in today's world, the idea of men cross-dressing is extremely, like it's, it's, a, it's a hot debate, right? I won't go into it or you know what I think about that. But this same debate existed for women back then. And women were expected to dress a certain way and they were not allowed to dress like men. And now it's, it's interesting because women can pretty much wear whatever they want. They can wear dresses and be very feminine. They can wear pants. Or... So women actually have the full spectrum of what they can wear. And it really is thanks to people like this who went against the norm and literally was accused of witch-like behavior. And one of the things they mentioned was the fact that she dressed like a man. So she was burned at the stake. Um, they were also quite offended at the idea that you know, she was leading men into battle because at the time, women were not allowed to lead. Um, and to be honest, it's still a prevailing thing today. There's a church in my city called Calvary Chapel. It's a Christian church. They will not let women be pastors. Women are not allowed to lead over men. And I'm not sure, maybe some of them would agree that Joan of Arc was committing heresy or blasphemy. But I look back at this as an example of a person who was a martyr for an idea and a lot of her ideas have spread 
And there's lots of other women in the past who have kind of picked up that charge. And I think a lot of things have changed for the better because of people like Joan of Arc. So here's another person I thought was interesting. And the reality is there's just thousands of examples, right? But I kind of went through and picked my favorites. I, I love reading about these people and the things they did. But this guy, William Tyndale. So he was an English scholar. He was accused of heresy. And part of, or a lot of the reason why, was he was one of the first people to translate the Bible into English so the common people could read it. And of course, at the time, the church hated this because they were kind of the gatekeepers to the sacred scriptures. Um, they were one of the only ones, like you know, the, the rabbis and the priests, they were the only ones that could read the scripture and then they would interpret it and give it to the people. And in the process, I'm sure they could control people quite well, right? So this guy started translating it into English. Uh, they didn't like that. They strangled him till death. And then later, they dug his body up and burned that because apparently it wasn't enough just to be dead from being strangled. Okay, so this one I might mispronounce. Etienne Dolet or Dolette, I think that means you're a French scholar. So he was burned alive in 1546 for heresy and atheism. Um, just another example of a person who challenged a lot of the Christian ideas at the time, and the church did not like that, and they killed him for it. So I couldn't make a video like this without mentioning a few of the victims of the witch trials, which was truly just a ridiculous time where anybody and everybody was accused of being a witch and they were burned at the stake. So I think the fascinating thing about a lot of these witch trials, like the Salem witch trials, is this actually happened not too long ago, right? Like this is very recent. This actually happened in Salem, which is in the United States. Though this was kind of just before the United States was formed. But this isn't like ancient times. This is sort of modern people with modern ideas and they're still burning people at the stake. So this one woman, she's a famous example, Bridget Bishop, and she owned a tavern. So she was actually accused of using witchcraft to control people that came into her tavern and almost like bewitching them. So she was actually hanged 1692 in Salem for being a witch with almost zero evidence. I think that's the fascinating thing, it's just this uh, hysteria almost that grows and these these people they do these things I, I, I can't I try to get myself in the headspace of how these kinds of things could happen and it's just it must just be fear it's like fear you're so sure of your beliefs and and here are these people that are kind of spitting in the face of those beliefs and it it causes people to just sort of yeah enter these hysterical modes and they, they'll do anything. They literally will kill. So apparently in the case of Bridget, you know, she had had multiple marriages and sort of just sort of stood out as an easy target. And in Christian culture, marriage is taken as a sacred thing, right? So if somebody's had multiple marriages, it kind of spits in the face of, of the Christian sanctity of marriage. So I, I suspect that maybe that had a lot to do with it. So the next people, it was actually a couple, and I think his name is pronounced Gills and Martha Corey, G-I-L-E-S. Um, again, 
around that kind of Salem witch trial time. Uh, they died in 1692. So Martha was hanged, but Gills was actually pressed to death. It's where they take two rocks and they basically squish you between these rocks. And it's, it's almost meant as a type of torture so that you confess, so that before you die, you confess. And literally just an awful thing. I just, it's just the ultimate irony to me that a lot of these tortures and deaths were done by people who were claiming to be followers of Jesus. This person who was all about love, peace, even enemy love, you know, love your neighbor as yourself, love your enemy as yourself. And here they are squishing people between rocks um, because Martha was accused of being a witch and her husband was defending her, essentially. And he wouldn't, he wouldn't sort of bend the knee and say, yes, she's a witch. So they killed him as well. So yikes, this is feeling like a pretty heavy video, but I don't know. I, I, for some reason, I find this stuff fascinating, so whatever, I'm just gonna keep going. So this next one were two Scottish women, and they were accused of conspiring to kill the king, but yet, how were they going to kill him? They were accused of like conjuring storms and controlling the weather to try to sink the king's ship. So obviously just a ridiculous claim um, but that's literally the, the headspace people were in. And it wasn't really that long ago. Like we're talking like 400 years ago, people are literally in this headspace that here's two women, they conjured a storm to try to kill the king. And then they actually put them to death because of that. And one of the things about this story that's interesting is they were severely tortured before death. And in that torture, they confessed. You know, back in those times, they just loved to torture people and get confessions, and then after they get the confession, they would, they'd feel good about themselves. And it's just like, did not understand human psychology and that people will confess to anything to make it stop. So another one was Dominica Scandella, an Italian miller, and he was burned in 1599 for heresy. Basically, he was just critical of the church's teachings and questioned the logic of some of the beliefs. So here's one that I actually find quite interesting because here's a person that has some beliefs that are very similar to what Christians seem to believe today. So this person would fit right in with modern Christianity. Yet at the time, she was accused of heresy and she was burned at the stake. So this is actually 1310. She wrote a book called The Mirror of Simple Souls. So her name was Margaret Porret. I find the interesting thing about her philosophy was she had a form of spirituality that kind of bypassed the church and its sacraments. So at the time, church was very controlled, the religion was very controlled, the information from the scriptures was put through the priests, and there was really no room at the time for your own interpretations or divine knowledge that you get direct from God, which is interesting because today, modern evangelical Christianity, it's very focused on that, you know, prayer and worship and receiving, you know, wisdom and guidance from God. So here's this person who basically had that same idea. So she was accused of heresy and blasphemy, burned alive, but yet Christianity morphed into this. So she was just basically ahead of her time. 
So here's another person, Jacques Gruet, a French activist, executed in 1547 because he actually put some kind of plaque on the Geneva church's door. And it was basically an affront to religious authority. You know, he's disagreeing with uh, religious ideas at the time. And he was executed for that blasphemy. So I'll mention one more. There was an English poet named Anne Askew. And she criticized that the communion. So at the time, communion, I think even Catholics might still believe this today, that the communion literally is the body and blood of Jesus. It becomes that. I think in the past, it was even more firm that they literally were eating the body and the blood of Jesus when they do communion. This is in contrast to Protestants who view it as a symbol. But at the time, you were meant to believe that these things, this bread and wine, becomes the body of Christ and then you eat it, almost like some form of cannibalism. I've never quite understood it myself. So Anne Askew, this poet, questioned that. And she was subsequently tortured and burned in 1546 for that belief. I think the reason why this is also interesting to me, it's, it's because all these people underwent all this torture and they were executed or they were excommunicated or they were jailed for things that I ultimately see as obvious. I think at my core, I want to be like these people. I, I want to be able to look at things clearly and question things that don't make sense. There is a lot of this even going on today. And as I do it, people really don't like it. I think it's just a reminder to me that just because a lot of people believe something or something happens to be a cultural norm, in the end, it doesn't mean it's right. It almost seems the opposite. The more people that believe something, you know, based on some kind of cultural or religious system, the more likely it is to be wrong. Anyway, happy International Blasphemy Day, and thanks for joining me. Have a great day. See you later.